In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit, one spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room And I invite you to just notice your next breath Allow it to be a mindful breath, an intentional breath. And as you take it in, just hold it for a couple of counts that you normally wouldn't do. And as you release that breath, allow it to assist you in settling into this moment. Wherever you're holding on to anything physically, just relax, let it go. Let us step into the allowing and the attracting that this beautiful book, Trance of Scarcity, recommends and celebrates and invites us to practice. And so with the next breath as well, let us set the intention collectively and individually that we continue to let go and relax. Let the energy move through us. Wherever there's trapped energy within our physical being, it represents where we are trapped perhaps in our thinking and in our spiritual nature. And so it's just an idea that we hang on to. Somewhere along the line we picked it up. But I celebrate this day in recognition and the invocation and the invitation that this divine presence, this one life, this power, this source of all life, where everything animates itself from, is my life. And in claiming that, I know that I am shifted and changed in this moment. That it is a lovely day. That I woke up this day with many things to do, and I stopped in the the middle of that and said, this is a lovely day. This is a day in which I have an opportunity to create, to love, forgive, to bless, to shift and change, to take action and to move a step in the direction of what my heart longs to experience, whatever that may be. But I have the freedom to do that and I'm so grateful for the freedom to know that I am never stuck, that I am always resource supplied and given everything I need in each moment that this infinite divine presence rushes in to fulfill whatever it is that I become, that I dwell upon, that I request, that I invite. And so I'm grateful to know that you and I have everything in this moment and each moment hereafter to use this infinite divine intelligence intelligently, powerfully, beautifully, with love and care and beauty and joy, to be a gift and an individualized expression of the one life upon this planet and duplicating that nature of spirit ever more deepening in the beloved community, I give thanks. Knowing everything each and every one of us is longing to experience, to be, to feel, and to have is here now, already complete in the mind of God. I give thanks. Releasing these words, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful, what beautiful music this morning too. Thank you, thank you guys. Beautiful. All right, so there we are. We have our vision, a world that works for everyone, and our mission, awakening humanity to its spiritual magnificence. And of course, we do that when we do it for ourselves. And of course, our conscious choice, which is really, really hard, teach and live love. 
Anybody struggle with that sometimes? Because it's a lot of things out in the world. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And, and if you haven't done this before, just relax. We haven't lost anybody yet doing this, but it's our invitation. I'm going to invite you to stand up in twos or threes or fours, whatever you're comfortable with. Maybe find somebody that you haven't interacted with yet. There you go. People are sorting it out. Arnie. There we go. So I want you to look that person in the eyes and just say, good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on this planet. You have gifts to share. You have love to share. You have power to reveal. And you have possibility to fulfill. Let's make the world a better place. And so it is. And you can give them a hug if you'd like, or a handshake, or... There we go. Sweet! Well done. We're getting really good at that. All right. Here we are. See, everybody comes alive a little bit more, because we do the, the... See, we're here. I have a beautiful quote from Carl Jung about beloved community and why we're here doing this thing today. I'm going to share with you later. So... First week of this month, we did stepping into belonging. Freedom by belonging. And belonging to what? Well, we'll talk more about that today. But stepping into belonging, which is stepping into the circle. And then Mother's Day last week, and we got these beautiful plants. We honored mothers. We had a christening. It was a wonderful, rich, wonderful day. And then today, what we embody, we become. And then May 21st, a way of being. And then the last, May 28th, six phases of belonging, which everybody likes a list, don't we? We all like a list. I'm told that anyway. Oh, people love lists. Seven ways to completely change your life in 15 minutes. Awesome. It's great. So what we be, uh, embody, we become. What we think, we feel, and act, or acting. Thinking, feeling, and acting. So my friend Norm Bouchard is just an amazing peer and wonderful minister in Colorado Springs, uh, um, Colorado talks about he was a Catholic priest for 20 years, and when he entered the, the seminary, they took a vow of poverty and chastity. And then when he left, he couldn't figure out why he was so miserable trying to play his bills, and he realized, well, he was still living in the vow. And, you know, being raised in a very, very conservative Catholic environment myself, we took the same vow. I just didn't realize it until Norm said something. We took a, a vow of poverty, and chastity was up to my mother. And so I, I had to grow out of both of those. So... The question I think for all of us is, am I bringing in what I long to experience, or am I repelling it? Am I bringing it in, am I welcoming it, or am I repelling it? And so that's a, I think it's a, a really simple but very potent question, because as this light bulb will show you, money, and I'm talking about money today, I'm talking about prosperity, but money is really where the rubber meets the road, because money is nothing but energy. And what money does is it traces us according to how we are feeling. Money traces us according to how we are feeling. So, if you're in debt, anybody here have ever been in debt? Have you noticed that when you're in debt, more debt seems to show up? Yeah, because debt's alive in you. Debt's alive in me. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything. I, I always teach what I need to, to learn, by the way, just so you know. But debt... Debt typically leads to more debt because the, the pattern of thinking and being around having is alive in us. And we've been given free will and choice to do that. That's the beautiful thing. So when you're paying bills, are you miserable and mad? Frustrated? 
I've been. Gee, you know, here I was going down Rolling Road the other day, and they had a speed trap at the bottom. And I was like seven kilometers over the speed limit. And I said, wow. I mean, that's a steep hill. It's kind of easy to speed down that. I said, this is like shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it? But I got mad for a little bit. I said, oh, wait a minute. Stop that. They're just doing their job. Or the idea that money's, there's not enough. There's not enough in my life. Or it's hard to get. Working hard. Anybody here working hard? I grew up in that one. Vow poverty, work really hard. And suffer. Because suffering is good. Because we're freeing all those poor souls in purgatory. I'm like, I'm four years old. What? I don't even know those guys. But that was the mindset. And it's a good mindset. It was a good place for me to start. So if you have an image of yourself as not enough, does anyone here ever expect, because I know not now, but anybody ever experienced the idea I'm not enough? Maybe once in your life. Yeah, me too. So what happens when we're, we, th- we say we're not, or feel or live we're not enough? What happens with money in our lives? Oh, you're brilliant. Thank you. She said not enough if you didn't hear that. Brilliant. But it's true. If you have an image of yourself as not enough, guess what happens to money? The universe takes you and I your sense of worthiness and produces not enough. Look around at this place. I mean, we've been here 30 years. We used to be a Catholic church. Oh, I want to point out, um, Noreen, we, so Noreen did our, our, our stones with it. She wove those into the tapestry back there over to your left, to my right. And then she took our prayer ribbons. So if you're wondering what happened to our banner up here, she put our science of mind teaching symbol in the middle of it. And then she, she wove in with a group, the weaving group, God bless you. Who's on the weaving group here right now? Anybody that had anything to do with this, would you please stand? Because we want to love you up. <clears throat> okay, now, you didn't have a cue to clap yet, but we, that's okay. So we'll, Because I wanted to tell you what they did. So all of our prayer ribbons there, all of those things have qualities of being on them. Love and joy and prosperity. And they wove them into that tapestry. So that is living art, back there, up there. Isn't that beautiful? Looks like an eagle, it looks like a Sufi uh, symbol, it looks Hindu in many ways, and it looks very indigenous in many ways. But it's our prayer ribbons representing all those qualities. That's what that thing is up there hanging. But it's beautiful, it's beautiful. So we thank you. I was gonna have Noreen come up and talk about it, but she's busy over there working. But the universe, the universe takes us our sense of worthiness. And all it can do is track it and trace it. All it can do is say yes. This is the brilliance of what Dr. Ernest Holmes and many of the great metaphysicians on the planet talked about. It's also what Jesus talked about. Jesus of Nazareth understood energy. A beautiful quote from him. Those who have more, more will be given. To those who have little, even that will be taken away. What's up with that? That sucks. What's he talking about? I need... The people that have more are going to get more, and I don't have nothing, and I'm going to get that taken away. He was talking about consciousness. He was talking about wisdom. At the time that he came along, the Pharisees, they were spinning into fear and superstition. And he kept saying, hey, wait a minute. You guys keep shining the outside of the cup. You need to shine the inside of the cup. That's where the work gets done. I mean, everything he talked about, when he was on the cross and he looked over at the thief, he didn't see a thief. When he walked into the Lazarus house, he'd been dead. He didn't see a dead man. He, he understood consciousness. He understood being. And he lived in that unbroken connection, for the most part, with his divine father. The father that lives within. The father, mother, God that lives within. 
And all of it has been interpreted. But he talked about that. Those who have more, more will be given. You know, my friend Norm Bouchard, when he left the, the, the ministry and he had no money, he, he got called into corporate America and he started doing these uh, trainings with them because he's very gifted, bright, bright man. And he would go do keynote speeches and he would hang out with all these guys that had money. And he said, this is interesting. And, there was, and he noticed there was a pattern with all of these, what we would consider very highly successful individuals. They, they lived in a beingness that money would always be there. They never talked about, oh, there's not enough, I don't know, I'm going to pay. They always stood together, and they stood individually in this, in this expectancy. There's always enough. There's always enough. There, there's a good, um, Emma Curtis Hopkins, teacher of teachers, taught Dr. Ernest Holmes. There's a good, and I ought to have it. She's famous for saying that. There's a good, and I ought to have it. And if I don't claim my good, it goes on the scrap heap. I can't take it away from anybody else. But Jesus understood that those who have more will be given. To those who have little, even that will be taken away. So if we're living in the little, it's our opportunity to shift and change that. And all the biases we may have about that. Money is an exchange of energy. And when we have a lot of uptightness about money, it shows up in our lives. The way you manage your money is a sign of how you manage the energy in your life. It is a, it, it's a sign of how you invite the energy, how we invite energy into our lives. So if you're struggling with money, you're probably struggling with relationships and love and creativity. Everything is limited. And that's not a bad thing. It's just part of life. It's our opportunity to grow out of that or not. And so, you know, this is, I mean, once we understand we're just here to develop, we just we showed up here to develop and, and grow and expand. And as we expand and, and, and dive into what the mystics and the great avatars and the great teachers all talked about, my life truly is God's life. And that's not a bad thing. Because then there's joy and celebration wherever I go. Oh my gosh, look at this. This is awesome too. Look at the learning I'm going through here now. Oh my gosh, I got my heart broke one more time. I love, you know, I'm gonna, I have a confession. Laura and I watched the Game of Thrones. Anybody ever seen that besides her and I? Okay, well, they got a character in there by the name of Jon Snow. I don't know if you've seen it, but Jon Snow got killed last year. And he looks a lot like Jesus, in my opinion. But I'm kind of a preacher kind of guy. So Jon Snow gets killed and he comes back to life. He's resurrected. There's a theme, huh? Wow, where did that come from? But Jon Snow goes to one of his mentors and he says, you know, I failed. I tried to bring people together. I tried to bring the tribes together. So there was a sense of community and oneness. And I failed. And his mentor looked at him and said, good. He says, I, he said now go fail again. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's like, what's this perfection we're all seeking? When we understand, man, we're here to try our best and give it everything we got. And then if we fail, it's like, oh my gosh. Because in the effort and what I needed to grow to move down that path, I gained so much. But when we get fixated on it's got to be this way, we're going to drive ourselves crazy. Jon Snow, I tried to bring the tribes together and I failed. Yeah, we'll go out and fail again now. You've been resurrected. You needed to die to that. So, why we embody, what we embody, we become in the examples. God is the source of everything in life. There we go. God is the source of everything in life. The infinite presence cannot wait. It cannot wait to give us what we need, what we think, what we feel, and how we are acting. It is just there. It is the servant to us. As, as Ernest Holmes said, there's this, there's this aliveness, this, this creativity that is seeking expression. Money is a symbol of, of a divine presence greater. It's a greater resource than either of us. You or I. 
So here's a picture, one of my favorite pictures, great story. This is, anybody know this story? This is Jinjin. Yeah, you know the story? This is Jinjin. He washed up on the shores near uh, Sao Paulo in South America, Brazil, and he was covered with oil, and he was starving. And he, he floated up on this small island off the coast of Rio de Janeiro, and a friendship was born. This was four years ago. Joao Pierre de Souza, he is 71 years old, found him, found this little penguin. He was covered with oil, starving, and he took him in, and he cleaned him up, and he scrubbed him, and he got him better. He fed him sardines, and then he was going to set him loose, except the penguin didn't want to go. And normally, these penguins, they are Magellanic penguins, I think is after Magellan. Normally, they breed on the Patagonian coast of the Argentina and Chile coastlines. And they, so from where he was found, it's about a three to 5,000 mile swim to get back to where he normally breeds. But what happened after a while is that um, Joe and Jinjin became friends. They became faithful companions, and every year he comes back, and he spends eight months with Joe. And he, Joe pets him and touches him and feeds him, and whenever Jinjin sees him, Jinjin jumps up into his lap, and he, and he sleeps with Joe. If anybody else tries to touch Jinjin, he bites you and pecks you. Don't go near me. And Joe says, I love the penguin like it's my own child, and I believe the penguin loves me. Mr. Pierre de Souza in an interview with Global TV in which the bird honks with delight as he recognized in his human friend. So he'll come and as soon as he sees Joe, he runs over to Joe and he hangs out with Joe and he stays with him and he follows him everywhere. And they've developed this amazing bond. And if, in fact, so, you know, eight months with Joe and then for four months he goes, swims 5,000 miles to breed and then he swims 5,000 miles back to be with Joe. I mean, that's love, isn't it? That is a form of love that is inspiring. It's like, Wow. But he loves that penguin, and that penguin has changed his life. See, because the universe, the universe works on feelings. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, whatever you feel, whatever you feel and spiritually comprehend, you may objectively experience, for the God within is not limited by any one experience. It is the creator of all experiences. And it's an ongoing creation. When you feel something deeply, the universe accelerates it. And so it's such a great story of Joe and the penguin. Joe was just trying to help the bird get back to where it needed to be. And this love story happened. And these penguins pick a partner or a mate for life. And they live about 25 years. What causes prosperity, abundance, is our feeling about life. See, it's not just isolated. It's not just one thing. It's a mosaic of what we feel and experience. And what happens when we open the floodgates of love, things come to us. This is exactly what let, uh, the trance of scarcity talks about, allowing and accepting, rather than forcing and manipulating. Allowing and accepting. But that takes faith. That takes practice. We grow into that. Allowing and accepting. And the gate also closes. The floodgates also close when we're, we're focused on fear and anger and frustration. The Buddha said this another way. The Buddha said, the thought manifest in the word. The thought manifest in the word. The word manifest is the deed. The deed develops into habit and the habit hardens into character. 
See, the way we shift and change this and have a new relationship with life is through, is through action. It's through patterns of, of shifting and changing our ways of thinking and feeling and being and doing that then become, they harden into our character. And so we can harden into a character of love. We can harden into, by, by harden I mean become more grounded in it. So watch the thought in its ways with care, born out of love for all beings. Born out of love for all beings, despite what people are doing. That's serious, serious practice. That's tough. See, in Jinjin and Joe, the penguin and the man, he's a retired bricklayer, by the way, and he works, he's a fisherman part-time. But in Jinjin and Joe, that's that, that's that connecting point. See, and life is a reciprocal exchange. You ever notice you have to give something, you have to produce something in life for life to come back to you. It's just the way it works. You give, you, when you give love, what do you get back? You know that, yeah. When we stand in the generosity and the flow of life, things come back into our lives more fully and beautiful. You know, Laura and I had a, a long discussion about our... Um, how we give, because we give in the Intentional Giving Program, which we've been talking about. And, you know, next month we're talking about uh, our theme is vacation. So when you're on vacation, if you're in our Intentional Giving Program, you're still with us energetically. But it represents your generosity of spirit. Because we want to be here when you get back from vacation. That's my plan anyway. But life is a reciprocal, reciprocal exchange. The universe does nothing, nothing but trace what we are feeling and doing it is constantly tracking us, constantly. It is our servant, as Ernest Holmes would say. It is in that soul, that symbol up there, that top is, is conscious thought. We plant the seed of possibility. And then that V that comes down, descends down into this creative medium, the soil where we plant the seed where things grow. And then at the bottom, at the bottom there, at the very bottom of that symbol is where things take form. But if we, we only get the crop for the seed that we plant, and it's fascinating to watch, but the power of feeling, the essence of love, makes all the difference. See, it's that feeling tone. When you're in your creative spot, things flow. Ideas, finances, health. That's why it's so important. That's why spiritual practice is so important. The universe cannot stand a void. Ernest Holmes said this, whatever God you believe in, Whatever God you believe in, provided you believe this God is already within you, must respond to you at the level of your belief. Of your belief. Not my belief, your belief. So our opportunity, once again, is another beautiful clue. What am I believing? What am I believing about prosperity? What am I believing about creativity? What am I believing about relationship? Well, I'm not good enough. Who says you're not good enough? But this is our opportunity. You know, we always say in prayer work, I've had people say to me, why, do you, why don't you guys just say amen like everybody else? What's this end? So it is. You know what amen means? It's beautiful. I, you hear me say amen a lot because I know a lot of people are used to that and I'm, and I'm, I'm good with it as well. But I'm, amen, amen means it's, it's done. It's done. And so it is, is tapping into that flow and saying, and so it is. And so it is. It's ongoing. And so it is. It's not stopping the energy. It's like, so it is. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and so it is. I have another slide here of a little boy, and this is a, a lovely story about transformation and changing. This little boy's mother had a horrific scar on her face, 
And so it was parent-teacher's night at the school that he attended. And he was so embarrassed because his mother had this horrific scar on her face. But he went to the school and he... And his, her mother, his mother was really gracious and loving and met all the teachers and all the other parents. And, but the little boy was so embarrassed by his mother's scar. And he was sitting in the corner, hiding, because he didn't want people to know that he was with the lady with the scar. And she sat down to, to talk to the teachers, and one of them said, what ha- what's up with, you know, what happened with your, your scar on your face? Is it permanent? She said, it is permanent. It'll never go away, but she said, I am so grateful to have this scar because what it represented for me was there was a fire in our home and I ran into the bedroom to grab my son and a a beam fell and hit me as I was protecting him and knocked me out and a fireman came in, but the fire was burning so so rapidly and hard that no one wanted to go in the room, so she said, I ran in there and the the beam fell, hit me in the face, but I was able to protect my little boy. And the little boy hearing this, he'd never heard the story before. He didn't know where his mother had gotten the scar. And he ran over crying to his mother. And he hugged her. And for the rest, the rest of the evening, he never let his mother's hand go. Because he stopped seeing the scar. He just didn't see the scar anymore. All he, all he was experiencing was the love. He didn't know. See, he only thinks about the love now when he looks at his mother. Our thinking shifts everything. Our thinking shifts everything. How are we seeing things? Rumi. Rumi met Shams in 1244. Rumi, this Jalaluddin Rumi, this prolific poet. We're going to play one of Rumi's songs here in a moment with the gang. One of my favorite songs, Come, which is about coming back into the circle. But Jalaluddin Rumi met Shams, and Shams was his beloved, his friend, his dear, dear friend. And they went into a 90-day retreat together, and most of their spiritual practice was gazing into one another's eyes. Just gazing into one another's eyes. How many people have you and I judged this past week for some reason? Because it's a habit to judge. You know, sometimes we don't need a plan. We don't need a big spiritual plan. We just need to breathe and trust God and let go. To release judgment. Allowing and attracting. When you shift a thought and stop worrying what life is, but allow life to happen, it's okay because life loves us. And wants, wants our souls to be fulfilled. There's a plan here. Trust in the plan. When we, when we take action, the universe rushes in to match our frequency. So it's so important, the energy that we bring to that. This is physics. Einstein talked about it. This is physics. Why do we argue with physics? All of the theories that Holmes came up with are now being scientifically proven. It's basic physics, religious science. It's always working. Why not use it intelligently? Why not move in the direction of your dreams? Why not feel passionately? Why not change your thinking from stinking thinking to powerful thinking? To get up in the morning and even if it's a crummy day and everything's gone wrong, to set up, this is a lovely day, this is my day. And my emotions and my heart goes where I direct it. 
Not where life's telling me to go. I've done that for years. I'm done doing that. It's, I, it's going to do it for us anyway. I mean, this, this stuff is working for us all the time, whether we sit or not. Whether we're negative or positive, it can match our frequency. Oh, man, I have every reason to be miserable. So, Norman Vincent Peale said, if you want a quality, act as if you already have it. And if you want to be courageous, act as if you were. And as you act, preserve in acting. So you tend to become, so you will become. Act as if. Act as if. What would the rich person, the prosperous version of you do? You know, I decided to put a shirt and tie on today. I'm going prosperously. I'm dressing up. I'm showing up. Because what a prosperous preacher would do is show up with a tie on. There we go. And a clean shirt. The, the problem with the shirt is I was putting it on and there's a pin. You know, they put it together pins. And I didn't take all the pins out. So I put it in my arm in the sleeve and I went, ah. And then it was in my arm like a hypodermic needle. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. And then I had to find a needle and pull it out. I thought I would never get here today, but I made it. So start creating a container of abundance. Take this with you. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're feeling. And if it's not in alignment with what you want to be, then stop it. Pay attention to what you're doing. Dress up and show up. How would the prosperous you show up in the world? Start creating a container of abundance. If what you're thinking, feeling, and doing in alignment, is it, is it in alignment with what you want to be and feel and create? And if it isn't, stop it. Make a new plan. Carl Jung said this, the unrelated human being lacks wholeness, for he can achieve wholeness only through the soul. And the soul cannot exist without its other side, which is always found in a you. Wholeness is a combination of I and you, and these show themselves to be part of a transcendent unity. We are here for a transcendent unity. One last piece that I think is so beautiful from Martin Luther King about beloved community. He said, our goal is to create a beloved community. And I stand with this. And this will require a quantitative change in our souls as well as a quantitative change in our lives. That's what we're here for. And there's all kinds of stuff that gets in our way. I'll talk about it next week. But we're here for that change, and it's all good. We're supported by it. We have everything we need, each and every one of us, to move forward in those changes. And the stronger we become and the clearer we become collectively and individually as a community, the more powerful we become. And people walk in that door all the time and say, the energetic here is amazing, and it is. There's a healing presence here, not because we're manipulating it, we're inviting it and allowing it. And we make a mistake, and when we fail, we get to look at one another, good for you, now go fail again. Oh, thank you. Thank you, John Snow. So I'm going to play a chant with you. I want to invite you. It's called Come by Rumi. I know many of you know it. We haven't played it and sung it in a year and a half now. But I asked Mitch and Mallory, this angel of God's presence that joined us today, to share this with you. The words will be up, so please sing with us. Come, come, whoever you 
decision to caravan of despair Cause it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows A thousand times before and yet again Come again, come and yet again come Come whoever you are Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving into caravan of despair come come whoever you are wanderer worshiper lover of leaving and come come whoever you are this isn't a caravan of despair cause it doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a thousand times before
worshiper, lover of leaving and come. Come, whoever you are, this isn't a caravan of despair. It doesn't matter if you've broken your vows a thousand times before. And yet again, come again, come, and yet again.